in a world where Mad Lab Theater. What are you doing? Making the Mad Lab ad for Cinema Wheeler Tay. Oh, here's my other one. Susan thought it was just another day, and then she met Mad Lab. Why don't you just say that Mad Lab is the new works theater in downtown Columbus, featuring hilarious comedies, powerful dramas, improv with FFN, the annual Young Writers Festival, and the longest running shorts festival in central Ohio, Theater Roulette. That sounds pretty awesome, especially when I do it over the Star Wars theme. Star Wars is always a good choice. Mad Lab, the original. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit us at madlab.net. Another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's Sean, Tony, and Scott as usual. Hello. And we're uh, joined by another two timing guest. <laughs> guest who's been on here before. Uh, he's a very good friend of the podcast and he's a very talented uh, stand up comic and uh, improviser, uh, Mr. Adam Novak, everybody. Oh, hello. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, Adam's on here today because we're going to discuss a movie that uh, will be very relevant coming up this summer. Um, it's uh, Sam Raimi's 2002 uh, Spider-Man, uh, which was the first live-action theatrical Spider-Man movie. It was about, what, 16 years ago when that came out. Wow, it's crazy to think yeah. it was already 16 ah. years ago. <laughs> My mind was blown. <laughs> I was we're, we're already three reboots in, so... <laughs> yes. I know, we are. Well, the thing is, too, like, uh, I was a college graduate when this movie came out, and now that I see it 16, it's like, man, I feel old. I was I in high school. Old. I was 16 when this movie came out. You were the perfect age I for was. it, too. I went and saw it on a date, too. Oh, wow. Wow. This is kind of an interesting date movie, you know, in that way. Um, The first time I saw it, like, you know, well, I want to start with the character of Spider-Man because that's a significant character in our pop culture. Kind of like Batman. It's Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman now, especially. I'd say those are the four. And maybe Captain America. I'll pick that the five. But Spider-Man certainly is one of the most recognizable superheroes and the most popular out there. My first uh, exposure to Spider-Man was, as a kid, they used to play reruns of the uh, 1967 cartoon series of Spider-Man, like, on syndication. Like, you would see that in the afternoons and stuff when I was growing up. Yeah. Kick-ass theme song, actually. (laughs) That's awesome. It really actually was a great theme song. You know, the Batman and Spider-Man theme songs are very similar. They're kind of the same. Batman, pow! (laughs) Yeah. And then Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. So that was my my, my first exposure to the character. But I I never really grew up reading the comics. I I was a Batman fanatic. I used to read that stuff, but I never got heavily into the Spider-Man comics. My cousin, Randy Parrish, though, was. Like, he was a big Marvel head. He had daredevil comics like we do when we would visit them in michigan he would have stacks of like more like uh daredevil comics and spider-man comics all over those were his two favorite superheroes and comics and uh that's kind of where i got some exposure to spider-man um adam what was your first take on spider-man were you a fan or are you uh um yeah i was a fan i didn't have a whole lot of experience with spider-man i was uh like i never read the comics 
Um, I was a nerd, but that was like not my flavor of nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so I read like some comics, but not not a ton. And I guess my, my first actual exposure to Spider Man was on uh, the Electric Company, which was like the oh yeah, it, it was like the knockoff Sesame Street. Like the I don't know. Yeah, right. That the live yeah. action segments yeah, and everything. Yeah, they had yeah. live action Spider Man segments, which were like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I read that they actually made these live action Spider-Man movies like in the 70s for TV that were just like that. They were terrible. Like they had really poor special effects. And... Yeah, I like I, rem- I remember those, but I don't I don't really remember actually watching them. And then um I think there was that there was that 90s cartoon, the the Spider-Man cartoon. Oh yeah. I watched yeah. Like, you know, I, I caught some of that but not yeah. I think I was, you know, I was kind of in college at the time, so it was wasn't watching Same here, sleep. yeah. <laughs> that was me too. Like I think I was in college. I remember seeing it. I knew that it existed, but I never like watched it religiously. I would just flip through channels. Um, how about you, Scott? What was your uh, first? Uh... I think the the well, I don't know when I first heard of Spider Man. I always I don't remember not knowing about them. Yeah, but yeah. I used to collect these uh, Marvel cards. They were like playing cards, and on the back of them they had the, all the attributes. Of all the Marvel characters, and Spider-Man was card number one. <laughs> so I know that Spider-Man was probably the most popular Marvel, and like, and it seemed to be a ranking of them. Like Spider-Man was number one, Captain America was number two, like the Hulk was four. Um, but we never looked on the back and like, so Spider-Man's pretty strong and agile. <laughs> and a good, it's had a good batting average. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, and it gave like their uh, top enemy was like Doctor Ock, Octopus, mm-hmm. and. I love those cards, and they had a, a few series, and, and uh, uh, I, I would collect them. You know, I, I was, I liked the cards. I didn't read the comics, or you know, I watched the X Men cartoon, um, but that was about it. That's like Marvel stuff. But that was that was my first exposure to Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Actually, like Daredevil better. Um, oh, so I, I thought you were going to say Ant-Man. No. <laughs> I didn't even know that. There was no card of Ant-Man, so I couldn't get into it. There was wow, only, like, that is shocking. You know, <laughs> Ant-Man didn't even get a card. There's only point. like 50, uh, 50 cards. But uh, um, I love those cards, and so I just could get them. And eventually, I, I, I bought a comic book. It was Spider-Man 2000 or 3000, which was Spider-Man in the future. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if I read it or not, but <laughs> I have it. I think I still have it, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, up until that point, it was, that was my exposure to Spider-Man was, it was this playing card, so. Gotcha. Yeah. And the Spider-Man 3000 may or may not have been read. That no, was kind it of was. <laughs> I still have it. I probably should read it. Right. But, uh, no. Been... How about you, Tony? What was your first exposure of Spider-Man as a character? Well, I mean, as a character, I think I always kind of grew up knowing who Spider-Man was, just from... I've never read the comic books, but, you know, you see... You go down the boys' toys aisle at Walmart, and you see Spider-Man toys, and Batman, and Superman, and all of that. So I was really familiar with the superhero world. Um, but really, my first exposure to Spider-Man, in terms of his origin story, was probably this movie. Yeah, and I actually remember when this came out. And Scott, I, I want to bring you into this because you, you and I, okay, I remember Scott and I went to see, I remember this vividly, we went to see the first Lord of the Rings movie. And they played a trailer for Spider-Man, I think, before that. And Scott and I, I remember we were coming out, we were with other friends, and Scott goes, man, that looks terrible. <laughs> that <laughs> looks did. terrible. I don't know what it was. But I, I, it, the music was weird. Like, yeah. Danny like, Elfman? I love the No, music. no, no, no. They, they weren't playing Danny Elfman music. It was like... It was like kind of like 
comedy music. Yeah, it, it was more of a really bad pop score kind of yeah, thing, right? It, like it was like like boy and band. And I never type. it ended on. There's a scene when he's talking to uh, Aunt May, and she's on the bed, and she said, "Well, you're not Superman." And he kind of like does a look. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's where the trailer ended, right. and I was like, "This is gonna be god awful." <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like it looked like Batman and Robin, didn't it? Like, oh yeah. Like, uh, it looked yeah. like kind of campy. And that was the last, that was yeah. the last Superman superhero movie we saw. Yeah, it was literally. And, uh, oh, Batman and Robin with um, yeah, with uh, yeah. Yeah. This was the beginning of when uh, Marvel was starting to license th- their properties to different film studios, and they were starting to make different films based off those properties. I guess the first was Blade in '98 yeah. of that first wave, and then the X-Men came out in 2000, and I think Spider-Man was the next in line. The first Marvel live-action film for a theatrical release. Well, there were Captain America. Um, serials back in the 40s, if that kind of counts. But with the modern era, it was Howard the Duck was actually the first property that they tried for a live-action film, uh, which is strange. Of all the characters, because of George Lucas, had some weird fixation on Howard. (laughs) Um, So when this came out, like because of the trailer, I didn't have that much of an interest in seeing it, but I worked at Hollywood Video at the time. I was working at a video store, and everyone was saying, Spider-Man was getting great reviews. People were saying they loved it. And so I decided to see it. I'll check this out. And, I, and when I first saw it, I loved it. Like, I said, oh, my God, it reinvigorated my love of superhero movies. You know, like, I loved Batman as a kid. Now Spider-Man is like, wow, this is a movie that kind of reminds me of that. And I went home to tell Scott about it because I think Scott was definitely not interested in seeing it. I said, you got to see Spider-Man. It's great. And Scott goes, really? <laughs> like, yeah. you, were, you were stunned that it turned out to be a good film. Yeah, the trailer was so bad. I just remember how bad it was. And then uh, we went to see it at their th- movie theater in Boardman, Ohio. I saw it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, holy crap. I mean, it was it was great. It was a fully realized Spider-Man movie. And it wasn't... Um, the thing I like about it, even watching it... We watched it, I've watched it actually a couple times in the last few months because it's been on HBO... And uh, is that it's not it's not a cynical movie. Um, it's different than like a lot of like I think a lot of superhero movies now they have to play to the audience. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very like, dark. Wink, wink. Well, I, I would say dark, but I they're think like, they the, are. some of them are dark, but they're a lot of like uh, there's a lot of fan service going on. Yeah, you know, and it's it's uh, not that there isn't any fan service in this movie, but. Um, I think it's it's just not as cynical as it's played earnestly. It's also not trying to build a world too. Like, yeah, it's not part of a cinematic universe. It's its own entity, which is it was a different era than it is now, where every, you know Marvel and DC both are building these cinematic universes. There's an innocence to this movie too. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and it's like a, he, try, he tries to, you know, he tries to get his, the serious emotions in there, which I think a lot of the movies now are, are they try to like this is like a serious thing, but mm-hmm. he's also not afraid to like kind of let it be cheesy too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. There's a little campy, kind of yeah. like the Batman just, movie was. Just kind of Sam Raimi's. Yeah, but the, but the opening uh, uh, voiceover is kind of campy. I mean, it's kind of you I know, like it's, a, it. it's nice, but it's kind of like you know, here's my story, or you know, yeah. Um, Sam Raimi directed it, and 
he has an, a, a great sense of humor. Like his movies always have a tinge of sense of humor. Like it's like you take it seriously, but then you don't have to take it completely seriously. Yeah. Like he had these horror comedies he made in the eighties, which I have, I'm not as familiar with, like the Evil Dead series, which was really innovative with the camera work. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people love it. Yeah. 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 And the, he worked with a guy named Bruce Campbell, who's kind of a tongue-in-cheek actor to begin with. And he has a cameo in this movie as the, the wrestling promoter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bruce Campbell and uh, his car are the two things that he always kind of... <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So he was a huge Spider-Man fan, and this movie was in development hell for, like, years. Because right after Batman came out, they wanted to do a Spider-Man film in the 90s. And James Cameron was attached to direct it. I think they were trying to get Nicholson to play the Green Goblin and stuff like that. And... So this and, make it, and Michael Keaton as Spider-Man. Yeah, Michael, which now is, oddly enough, oddly enough, Michael Keaton is in a Spider-Man movie, so uh, everything kind of wraps around. Um, but um, it was in development hell. I think uh, Raimi wanted to make his a bit darker than the tip, what this turned out to be. But I think Sam Raimi was the perfect guy for this. Like, I think he had the right tone, which was... He went back to the original tone of the comic books, which was watching... Peter Parker struggled with being a teenager, mm-hmm. balancing his life out with mm-hmm. you know, being a superhero. And his girl pro- girl troubles, getting a job, maintaining a job while being Spider-Man. And that's what I think was always what appealed to people when they yeah. read the comics. His loss of his uncle. Yeah. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cre- He was created by Stan Lee, who created pretty much all the Marvel characters in the 60s. And a guy named Steve Ditko was the uh, artist. And a lot of other people worked on it. By the way, I love Stan Lee. I don't know. I just got a kick out of that guy. At 90 years old, he's still kicking it in mm-hmm. cameos. Mm-hmm. This is like one of his first cameos, I think, in this movie. Yeah, was... I guess they cut an even longer cameo where he mentions the X-Men. Oh. Because <laughs> the... I guess they were going to have Wolverine originally in this movie. Really? But the Sony and oh, 20th yeah, Century he's... Fox couldn't come to an agreement. Well, so. I think it was. They said that he actually flew out, but they couldn't get the the costume or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. like he like he actually flew out and was gonna film like the the cameo, and then mm-hmm. like they somehow couldn't get the costume or couldn't get the rights to it. Uh, and... yeah, that's yeah. I heard right. That would have but... been really interesting in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> see that. Holy well, crap! And apparently, apparently, Stan Lee wanted to play John Jonah Jameson in it. <laughs> Oh, oh, I can see why. I bet you they model his look after Stan Lee a bit when he looked back. Yeah, they do. Yeah, like an older. Um, I think they got the perfect guy for James. Oh, James. Yeah, I think he, like Stan Lee even. Worthington said afterwards he was like, Worthington's own J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I love J.K. Simmons. Oh, Let man. me tell you, he's one of the great character actors. He is probably my favorite part of this movie. The oh. scenes are dynamic when he's in it. He's hysterical. Oh, it's... oh, those, those, those. Uh, it is the best superhero workplace scenes of any movie. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, it's it's better than... Well, Bruce Wayne's... I don't, he just sits in the Batcave looking at <laughs> videos. Batman's workspace is in the Batcave. He works from home. It's yeah, not as exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, these are the best, like, newspaper scenes. You know, they're better than the Daily Planet scenes, probably. You know, Yeah, the only other ones are the original Superman scenes. With Margot and, yeah. and Perry White. Perry White and Jane Jameson. Jane Jones Jameson's like an evil Perry White almost. Not even evil, but just more corrupt. You well, know. it's a tabloid. I think that makes it more it, fun. It is. It's not a series. He's not doing news. You know, it's fake news, you know, <laughs> literally. I mean, the, 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 that he has fun doing it, you know, but... And I love how he's responsible for coining all the character names. You know, yeah. like he's char- he coins Spider Man's name and he goes, I'm going Goblin. Everybody pays me a quarter every time yeah. I say it. <laughs> that's, and that's brilliant, though, because that's how it yeah. happened, you know? 
he just he's making up names to sell papers, you know. He is. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird how central like newspapers are to like all the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's because Spider Man was running in all the newspapers and. Yeah, Superman comics and stuff were all running newspapers, but they were. I, I think like newspapers were huge. Like in the '30s when Superman started, I think they were like yeah. the main yeah. source of news and communication uh-huh. for people next to radio. So they had a lot of power. Like it was like glamorous to work for a newspaper. Not now. <laughs> but I mean, then the logic yeah. makes sense because if you yeah, I'm just kind of yeah. kind of wondering could, where it's going to go in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, Superman. I don't know if they originally planned it out like he'd work at a newspaper because that's where he could have his ear to what's going on and he'd be, you know, on the inside of a lot of oh, information. And Spider Man, the same kind of thing. But uh, I don't know if they thought of that. If it's like, he'd be cool if he was a reporter, you know, just a mild mannered reporter. <laughs> I don't know if they really thought about that because a lot of things back then were done because, you know, it sells, you know. Yeah, exactly. Newspapers are popular. People like those. And I, I think it might have been I a nod. I can only think of three jobs. I want to be a reporter. Let's, let's do that. I, I bet that was a nod to Superman that he made Peter Parker like a photographer, so it would differentiate him a little bit from, from Clark Kent, where he, you know. Yeah, and he only gets a job because he takes pictures of Spider-Man so yeah. it's, it's yeah. perfectly logical that he would get and it's only a freelance gig it's like perfect job for a kid your face <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Just, and, is this the one with a Christmas fruit like the, the cake or something like that yeah. or like uh, I forget what he says like instead of a bonus like get yourself Christmas meat <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's great um, Tobey Maguire I actually we'll start with his performance because I, I I think there's a lot of controversy. There's always controversy when anybody's cast as a, as a comic book character. Mm-hmm. Because I think those characters... It's not just reading a book where you have your own personal image. I think you actually see an actual illustration in front of you and people are like, well, it doesn't match with my impression of that character. But then it turns out, usually, nine times out of ten, it's a, the right choice for the character. Tobey Maguire is great as Peter Parker in Spider-Man because he is a genuine nerd. I mean, he is a genuine nerd. He's not... Mm-hmm. Like a cool nerd, like Andrew Garfield, who I like as an actor, but it just didn't work as well with Andrew Garfield as it does. Yeah, with Toby. I think I honestly think the casting was really well done in this movie for every role. I think they did a really great job casting. I agree. And Tobey Maguire was a wonderful fit because he wasn't um, overly good looking. He wasn't overly huge in stature. He kind of was that nerdy everyday guy next door. You know, I think he worked really well, and he's a great actor. So mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. It really was a good fit, in my opinion. I always liked Tobey Maguire ever since I think the first movie I saw Toby in was Pleasantville, and I loved him in that. And he was perfect for yeah. that, too, because it was a black and white mm-hmm. kind of going back in time vibe to that. And he was in Wonder Boys, which he was great in with uh, Michael Douglas, and he kind of played kind of a similar character, kind of the standoffish, introverted nerd, yeah. you know. But here, this is defining character. I mean, Peter Parker. Come on, I mean, yeah. it's so iconic. Um, Kristen Dunst is good as Mary Jane. I don't think they give her a lot to do other than be kind of the mysterious. Well, that's what they sadly girl. do with all the ladies in yeah. these movies. I mean, look at the last Superman movie. Oh, what they do at Lois Lane, you know, they, which makes me really sad because I think the women. It says a lot if a superhero is in love with a certain woman. It should say a lot about that woman. So I think it's sad that they don't give these women chances to to really shine and to kind of have a bigger part in the story like they do in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so, don't. You know what I mean? But I think Kristen Dunst was good, you know, especially in 2002. She was still a really relevant, you know, fresh star. She was very, I think, I've always really liked her a lot as an actress. I think she's very relatable. 
Um, there's something really organic about her. She's kind of like that girl that you feel like you could be friends with that would be in your girl group. And, you know, I really like her. Um, I think she did she did really good in the movie. Yeah, I, I like especially the in the beginning when he's taking her picture and she's doing all that silly poses and stuff. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's really... Um, that's really like what it would be like, you know. She, I, I appreciate her more the more I watch it. Yeah, her performance. I think when I first like, I think maybe it's due to she's not given a lot to do. But the more I watch is like the more I, she's like, I really liked her how she portrayed her. You know? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with her talent as an actress. Yeah. I think it's just, and actually, it kind of works because I think we're supposed to view Mary Jane as the dream girl. I think that she, there is a distance that the director does purposely because if you get to know her as a three-dimensional human being, then he would be disillusioned with her and yeah. there wouldn't be a movie. Like, you need him to kind of stay at a distance from her mm -hmm. to make well, it interesting. Well, we also get to see why he likes her, you know, starting from the very beginning where he misses the bus and she goes up to the driver and says, stop, stop, you know, and then he comes on and everybody's teasing him and she's just kind of sitting there like... She, kind of defending him you know what I mean so right from the start we get to see that she really is a compassionate person and that she is nice even though she's kind of like the the dream girl she is attainable and she is the kind of person that um she's not just like that popular snobby kind of unrealistic mm -hmm. girl that a guy's never gonna get you know she actually does have some some depth to her and um and a lot of compassion yeah I mean I and we also hint at a troubled home life because mm -hmm. her dad, I guess, is yeah. very kind of abusive. They kind of definitely hint that his, mm -hmm. the father's abusive and mm -hmm. that she probably has a low self-esteem as a result of this. Every time I watch that bus scene where she's going down and he's getting rejected on the bus, it's just like, this is like Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's how I, I do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> this seat's taken. <laughs> that's exactly what I think. I, mean, I don't know if that's an homage or just like, well, we were running out of ideas for this bus scene. I think, I, I, yeah. I think it was a good tactic because any time that you have a scene and where the, the protagonist is getting picked on or mm -hmm. bullied, you instantly sympathize with that person and then you're on their side. No matter what, for the rest yeah, of the I mean, movie, mm -hmm. it really sets up the characters exactly. just really quickly visually. Yeah, it does. And we learn that their their hiring practices for school bus drivers are not yeah. <laughs> not good. The school yeah. bus drivers are pretty horrible. Uh, <laughs> just, I guess I, I don't understand why they don't like him that much. Yeah, <laughs> I because I mean it's the first thing you see, and he's just he's just being rejected out. I mean I know he's kind of a nerd, but he's. Nice. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So it's like, like, what would? Because like the even the bus driver is like toying with them. It's like, what, yeah. would, he, what would he have done to the bus driver? <laughs> I think it's just to show that he's an easy target. Yeah. yeah. That he's bullied. It's not yeah. so much. I think that people dislike him. Yeah. I think they like to pick on him. That's it. Because yeah. they can, they can. You know, it's that's I mean most of the times when people bully someone else, it's not because they dislike that person. It's because they know. They can bully that per you know the other yeah. person, and they like bullying. As a man who's been bullied, I can attest to that. Yes, that <laughs> does happen. You know, he's really well adjusted for being as bullied and this family. I mean, he doesn't let it really bother him a whole lot. You know, no. he still continues to do the stuff he does. You know, well, when you have Uncle Ben, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Ben ensures that oh, he got laid off. You know, yeah. they've been through tough times. Sean. Yeah, well, they have. They have. <laughs> he makes that clear in that scene. Computers. <laughs> <laughs> All computers, man. I don't know if I'll ever work again. 
He's 68, and he's yeah. reminded her, man, that's sad. He goes, even the computers need computers these days. <laughs> Charles, Charlie Ro- Charles Robinson is a, is a good uh, yeah. good actor. I think he was yeah. on the movie, I think that's his name, is a... Oh, Cliff, Cliff Robertson. Well, I think they, I think they said he, he's actually, he was actually like 75 for the, the movie, and they actually wow. they, they put old age makeup on him to play the 68-year-old. Oh, because oh he, he's looking that good. Yeah. That's incredible, you know. <laughs> who played Aunt May? Aunt May was... Uh... She's great, yeah. Rosemary Harris, who I... You know, she's probably the quintessential Aunt, Aunt May. Aunt May's been getting increasingly younger yeah. in the films. <laughs> Which makes more sense for a high school. I mean, they're fit... If he's 68... And he, he's a senior, so he's probably 18, 17. So he's 50 years older than... Right. <laughs> How old was his yeah. parents? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe he's a great aunt, man. Yeah, yeah. Great aunt, they uh, never specify what kind yeah, of aunt. Yeah, so you're saying he's at least 20, uh, 20 years older than his parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's like 50-year difference. But, you know, it's... Uh, um, I, I do feel bad for uh, May and Ben because, like, you know, you know Peter is kind of going through his teenage phase with them and kind of turning them off a lot. Uh, and then they have that scene in, in the where uh, Ben takes him out before he goes, into, which we'll talk about the wrestling thing in detail soon. Yeah. But uh, right before that, it's with great power comes great responsibility speech. And I always felt bad when he says, like, you're not my father. Like, I always... That always troubles me in movies when I see a character tell another character, you're not my real dad, and then the dad gets really sad. That happens a lot in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he is your dad. He's the one who's actually raising you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just a teenage thing. Like, you know, uh, Peter is a teenager, but what I like about Ben is he gets him. Like, they're not that hard on him. They get that Peter is probably has attention deficit disorder and stuff like that, you know, and there's mm-hmm. something going on. Uh, I like the relationship, and, and it's terrible when he dies. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of like to have seen more of Ben in the movie than we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's just kind of like a, a classic thing to, to illustrate that, you know, you have a teenager in the house, they always want to sort of fight or be a little bit defiant, and that's kind of natural. And also, to have that scene in this movie, it heightened Uncle Ben's death, and it made us really feel bad. And sympathize with Spider-Man, and you know, again, it's kind of all of that emotion building that that the writers or and the director are doing to get the audience to to be in that kind of sympathetic state of mind. You know, like if that scene wasn't in there and Uncle Ben just died, we'd be like, oh, that sucks, his uncle died. But we wouldn't have an attachment ourselves to Uncle Ben, and now we do. Yeah, we do. So as an audience, we really feel horrible, and you really feel for for Spider-Man because you know you know that he's struggling with being Spider-Man and managing that with being a teacher and he's getting bullied at school and you yeah. know he's just got and then his best friend's dating the girl of his dreams and there's just a lot of these situations that don't seem like big deals as we're in our 30s but when you're 16 that those are like huge deals yeah you know that's like the worst thing of your life happening to you um Harry Osborn's a terrible best friend he really yeah, is. Yeah, he's there's terrible. no point where he does anything <laughs> yeah. in this no it's, 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 I don't even. Gets the most sweet apartment. That's yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. But there's that, like, that that he that he does. Yeah. He gets that. But you kind of understand Harry a little bit too. That Harry probably was ignored a lot in his childhood because yeah. his dad was so busy with work, um, and have living up to what he thinks are his father's expectations of him. Um, I think Harry's just really insecure. He is. And uh, James Franco's perfect for Harry, too, for that oh, reason. Yeah. He and plays. I, I love the moment when his dad's pulling him up. They pull up in the Rolls Royce to the field trip, and he's like, why do we have to go up? And and I, it's funny, because high school is kind of warped since, like, 
money in high school doesn't really mean like the dynamics of a high school culture doesn't really mean as much because I remember our grandfather was a limo driver. Like he owned his own limo business, which just now he owned his own business. He wasn't yeah. like, but he would pick us. He would pick me up from high school in a limo. <laughs> And it was kind of embarrassing because I'm like, I'm, it's not what you think. My dad, my grandfather is the driver of the limo. Yeah. So I made sure I got in the front seat instead of the back seat, you know. But uh, I, could, I can kind of relate to that where it's just like you'd be self-conscious about something like that because it's just like, you know, you want to just be, you want to, in high school, you want to fit in. That's the yeah. goal is like just be kind of part Blend of Blend into the whole fabric in, of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh. And that's what's fun about this movie is the, the change, like Mary Jane goes from being popular, then they get out of high school, and then reality hits where she's just working at the... She's struggling to yeah. get acting yeah. jobs. So the whole dynamic there. of everything, and it's, to, you know, it's Peter Parker that's building her up. Yeah. Yeah, because she's struggling. She's a struggling actress. Yeah. Peter's the only person, and, and obviously Harry does too, like they're the only two people that really put Mary Jane on a pedestal. Her father certainly doesn't. The world mm-hmm. certainly doesn't, because no. she's working all these dead-end jobs. To become an actress, and mm-hmm. she doesn't see herself the way they do, and that's kind of fun. Flash does. <laughs> Flash does. You're right. Flash does. Flash is the greatest. Com- By the way, Flash is a hilarious movie bully. All right, Sam Raimi did a great job. That, that guy's hilarious. His name is Flash. Flash Thompson. Yeah, Flash Thompson. Uh, he's. I love those early scenes with Flash. That guy's hysterical. In this. Yeah. Um, Another scene we had to talk about, we were mentioning it earlier as the wrestling scene for one particular reason. Uh, Bonesaw, the, the, the character of, of Bonesaw was <laughs> played by... One of the greatest actors <laughs> to ever grace the screen, Macho Man Randy Savage! Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, that, that was the one spot that I felt like the, the uh, special effects didn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Is whatever special effects they were using to put Randy Macho Man Savage in that scene, they just did not look realistic. <laughs> <laughs> whatever was happening with him, <laughs> it was very distracting. Yeah, it was. It was like, oh yeah. I mean, he didn't say oh yeah, but he wanted to. You could tell he was tempted oh, yeah, to throw in a few. I, I I think it was perfect casting. And I, I was Bonesaw yeah. was in the comic, right? Yeah, he was. They actually because re- that's based on the comics. I think Spider Man did start out as a wrestler. Which is how he developed his costume, and it was Bonesaw was the name of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, I realize yeah. that. And it's, uh, I have so many questions about that scene, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to know what was it like working with Randy Savage. <laughs> it's a great cameo by someone that's like a popular actress now, is Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah I, I watched it this morning. I'm yeah, like, right, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Octavia Spencer is in that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. She's the one that comes in, like, aren't you a little small? I mean, she's great in it, actually. It's really mm-hmm. funny. And. You know, now you watch it like she's this huge star, but yeah. back then, you know, she was. That's really cool to see things. I like seeing things like that. Yeah, me too. You know, Elizabeth Banks is also in this when she was mm-hmm. first. You know, was, although I always think it's Parker Posey for some reason. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Hey, you, nobody can blame you for thinking that. Yeah. There, there are a lot of similarities. They're both great, but um, but yeah, I, I was Betty uh, Brand is her character. She was uh, Jameson's secretary in the yeah, comics yeah. too. So, but uh, just going in there in the lineup. It's that's a really great scene. You even get to see the Macho Man elbow drop too, which is just you know you gotta throw the let me do my finisher. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm surprised he didn't bring out the robes and the cowboy hat. Oh yeah, I'm Bonesaw McGraw, the Macho Man Bonesaw. Oh, it just keeps going. I would love to see outtakes of that scene being filmed with the Macho Man because the Macho Man, I guess, was known for being a very intense, methodical 
wrestler. Like, he would work out all his matches to the fine tooth. And I'm wondering if he had to work with Toby in the same way for that scene. Well, it's perfect because he, he plays... He does all the wrestling gestures. I mean, you have to, you know, to have a, a someone that charismatic play the the, the generic... The Bunsaw references like a generic wrestler, right? Just like your idea. And there's nothing generic about him, you know. Like he's <laughs> such a unique, he's such a unique character. And that's why I think, it, like, you, I agree with you 100. percent Like that's perfect casting is to get somebody legitimately, which is great by Remy. It's like let's get an actual guy in that scene that does this. Yeah, you know, like Piper would have been another guy you could get, but it wouldn't be as different because I think Macho Man is an exaggeration, and this movie's over. Like it's like yeah. a comic book brought to life. Yeah, well, at least he's more. Intimidating physically too. Oh yeah, he is. He is. Oh yeah, he, well, he, he could be over the top too. You know, over the top. Right. They yeah. wanted for... And he played it like, get out of here, get down, oh down from there. You know, getting really <laughs> I frustrated. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> I got you. For th- <laughs> Does he get on the mic? He gets like bone saw. Yeah, he goes bone saw is ready. <laughs> I guess that has a popular following because a lot of people are saying you have to say bone saw is ready on the podcast. Um, How many matches does he wrestle? <laughs> Also a question. I know. Yeah, I mean, he, he, like that promoter is vicious. You're gonna wrestle ten guys tonight. You're gonna see what. Because it's a line of people. <laughs> and of course, Spider-Man beats him. You know, and actually, the Macho Man knows how to take the hits too, like and the bumps and everything. Oh, it's a cage match, which actually you think is a bad move for Spider-Man, but actually. Helps them immensely oh, based yeah. on his skill attributes. <laughs> yeah. You cannot pick a better scenario. No, that's a perfect uh, setting for the Spider Man. Is the as that cage. one New York guy came. Like, he reaches out his arms, ropes come up, <laughs> he climbs up the ropes like a spider web. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know that scene when they're doing the New Yorkers go on. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He reaches up his arms, ropes come out, <laughs> and he climbs up the ropes like a spider web. <laughs> Just to explain his powers to you, if you didn't understand it. I, I don't conceptualize that as ropes. Yeah. Like they, they, they conceptualize more like uh, like string or something like that. Yeah. A couple of things about his powers, too. Number one, the spider that actually, the radioactive spider, has the Spider-Man suit on it, right? It looks just like the Spider-Man suit, I think. It's genetic. It's, it's genetic. Yeah, yeah. Genetic. But I wonder if they imply that that influenced him to... Get those. That's the same color design for the suit, or something like that. I don't know. Well, they when they they do describe all his attributes in the beginning when they go through each spider, all the attributes of the spider. Yeah, jumping, agility, spider sense. Yeah, you know. I think Tobey Maguire probably. I think Peter Parker probably just looked in the mirror and picked out all his clothes (laughs) and said, "Which color looks best on me?" (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I look good in blue. Yeah, blue. But then red is nice too. Well, he designed it. They show him designing yeah, it, which exactly. I, I love that sequence when he's designing yeah. it, yeah. and it shows him looking at the wrestling, and because that's a Sam Raimi tra- trope, which is the because it, again, it's, it's like a comic like a book montage. panel. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is like a comic book panel. It's, Absolutely, it's, it's a great use of a montage because it's like like you said, a comic book panel, and it's flashy and it's funny, and you see the cars, all the things that he really desires yeah. as a teenager. And watching him develop his powers is fun. Like, when he starts discovering uh, he can shoot webs out, which I think in the comics he he actually just shot webs as a weapon. Uh, He he, he developed his own formula that he shot out of, like, a wristband. Yeah. Which... And there was big. I remember. I remember when it came out, there was a big controversy that... There was. (laughs) That he didn't make his own formula, which... Personally, I always thought that was, like, less realistic. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As far as, like, realism goes, but it was like... I, I can buy that, yeah, like he has these spider powers and so he can shoot webs out of his 
arms like a spider, but right. But like a, a teenager coming up with a yeah. polymer on his own that like is like that <laughs> you can actually shoot spider webs. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I agree with you to- totally that it's 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 less likely for him to have the means to make enough of it. Yeah. yeah, to get the supplies to make enough of it that it would be even worth doing. Yeah, I think it works better with him actually shooting it out of his arms because yeah. he does like he has been bitten by a radioactive spider, so maybe he would develop webs. You yeah, know. and yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think spiders shoot it out of their mouth though. That would, but that would that would be an unseemly attribute. I think, to have. I think it's, I think it's out of the backside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not going to sell a lot of lunchboxes. Shitting it out, <laughs> it would not be as cinematic. If I was shitting out. <laughs> I, I, I will say, if if I had been bitten by a spider, my like uh, learning my powers montage scene would have been far less exciting because. I mean, he just he just goes right out. It's like he's like, oh, I can climb a wall. I'm gonna climb this five story building, and then yeah. now I'm gonna I'm gonna jump across. <laughs> I'm gonna jump across streets. I'd be like, okay, maybe like a year from now, I think my my, my I'd be like, oh, let's see if I can jump over the stack of uh, phone books first. <laughs> maybe I'll swing across the living room. <laughs> but work, I'll work my way up to this. <laughs> well, what's funny to me is that he gets like absolutely the. You're right, you know what you think you would get if you got bitten by a spider, but what if? <laughs> but realistically, it'd be probably closer to uh, the fly. Yeah, <laughs> it just this grotesque <laughs> spider thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you have all those powers, but you look grotesque and you're terrible. Someone, I guess that was one of the development deals when they were doing this pre-production that they were going to make this. One guy wanted to make the Spider-Man look more like the Jeff Goldblum fly. Yeah. That he would be a weird spider creature. Yeah. Which defeats the purpose of no. making a Spider-Man movie. You're just yes. making a horror film at that point. The superhero should be something that we all want to aspire to be. Right. <laughs> None yeah. of us would aspire to be some, like, dripping goo <laughs> mess of a person. You know. No. But uh, that, that, that's probably the most, uh, you know, if you were to take on, you wouldn't just cherry-pick the physical attributes, you know. Um, like, the Green Goblin, I think, was more taking, like, a, like a serum... And yeah. they do super strong is probably more real. He was cast yeah. really well too. Willem oh, oh, I mean, oh. you want to talk about the ideal villain, right? I, I love him in this movie. Like he and James like he and Simmons are probably my, my two favorite characters. The thing about Norman that I've always when I watch this movie and I kinda like it is I don't really think Norman Osborne on his own is that bad a guy. No, Maybe he's misguided. Not. But I kind of feel sorry for him because he is just a guy trying to develop formulas. I mean, they're weaponizing, but he's not like a terrible guy. And even as a dad, I just don't think he knew how to parent well in the beginning. That's probably why he and Harry had such a weird relationship. Well, he ha- I think he had high expectations. You know, he demanded excellence in his work. So he probably demanded excellence in his house, you know, parenting. And Harry just never felt like he lived up to those expectations. They alluded to the fact very early on when they were at the... Um, lab that you know harry just really wasn't that smart when it came to science which is what his father's career is in so it was probably more of like you know the classic case of the dad saying why can't you be more like peter you know he's a smart kid and he's you know and harry just didn't Mm -hmm. meet he didn't have those talents you know no no i mean harry when he sees peter obviously he's like oh that should have been my kid you know like yeah yeah. or like oh he's like me he's a lot like me and that self-made you know Mm -hmm. yeah 
he he loves that like when he says when 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 Parker turns down the job offer from him, yeah. which he would have easily given him, and he probably would have done well. Oh, yeah. But he just like I'd rather make it on on my own. He goes, you want to make it on your own, Steve? Wonderful. You know, like he just sees yeah. a lot of himself. I think because mm-hmm. I think he was a self made man. Doesn't too. like Mary Jane trying to make it on her own. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because he's sexist. Yeah, yeah, he is a sexist bastard. That's the one major flaw. You know, do what you got to do with Jane them. Jane is probably the hardest working one of all of them. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. working three jobs. Yeah, working three jobs, trying to do her career. She's a woman, so you know by virtue of that, she's getting paid less than they are. Yeah, working like three jobs is superhero. <laughs> photographer. He was like working in a lab that he got fired from, and he's doing the superheroing for free, by the way. Well, okay, like, then Mary Jane is pressure. working. Yeah, she's working just as hard then as Spider Man. She is. Yeah. She works hard. Yeah. Oh, crime fighting super- is hard. That's a hard job. She doesn't have superhero endurance either. Yeah. So she, no, you know, no, that's that's, that's a good point. She does not have that. <laughs> she does not have that. She's doing it. Hey, Norman's working hard too. Is both supervillain and CEO of an. <laughs> he doesn't even company. know he's a supervillain. <laughs> no, know. that's the that's the worst part. He doesn't even know how hard he works. But he's not uh, a superhero villain for, or he's not a CEO for long because he gets voted off. No, he does. Which, which I, I always felt bad for him in that scene. Again, <laughs> I too. I weirdly sympathize with Norman Osborn, <laughs> which is probably not the intent of the filmmakers, but. I've well, always... up until that point, you have no reason not to. No, you don't. You know, we don't know. He hasn't turned into the goblin yet, has he? I don't think he so. did. He he turned after into... that. I thought he did. He is the goblin. He's not aware that he's a goblin oh, until okay. like the second half of the movie. And even then, it's like it's a tragedy because he has no control over it at that point. Yeah. He really, it's like he's schizophrenic. There's mm-hmm. the good side of Norman fighting the bad side of Norman. Insanity is one of the uh, side effects of that formula. They make that clear. <laughs> what is insanity? Yes. Oh, is it? Yeah. And it should have gone back to the formula. I agree with yeah. that other guy. <laughs> and for him to throw it into his face before he kills him. <laughs> That's awful. That was just awful and, and a little back blow. To the formula. <laughs> I'm out, huh? That, that <laughs> Do you think they walked out of that board meeting when they're like, do you think we should worry about the fact that he grinned and smiled dangerously? <laughs> <laughs> and let's just talk about Willem Dafoe's smile. It's not exactly like the yeah. <laughs> I love the board meeting in Vegas. like, the stocks are up. It's like all this generic stuff about the company. Stocks are up. The uh, the company's paid off. Things are going well. We're gonna boot you off, Norman. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'd be shocked too. It's just like this. Things couldn't be better. He says that things couldn't be better. Oh my god! And then he's booted off. Poor guy. Um, the general, that contractor for the Pentagon. <laughs> oh, that guy's a prick. I mean, that guy was just a just a condescending prick. Like, Norman, we're gonna pull your funding if you don't have a. Test in the next two weeks, you know. But he was glee- gleefully winning yeah. him to fail, yeah. though, for some reason. I don't know what his issue was with Norman. He was That's, probably jealous. I we mean, need a yeah. company, you know. We need a free yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We Just do. for that. <laughs> <laughs> on the general. The tension between Norman Osborne and the general. Why Columbia has not developed that. Why Sony has not developed that movie, I'll never know. The story of where it evolved. I want to know everything about the general in that movie. But the one thing I do want to talk about, too, is the music. I think Danny Elfman's score is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. it is. It's a really great soundtrack. And the music, you know how I am about music. I, mm-hmm. I really take, you know, heart the fact that I like a good soundtrack to really marry well with the mood and the tone of the movie. Because it has a lot to do with your emotions and how you interpret, you know, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the soundtrack is great. I really do. I mean, I, 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 I really like Danny Elfman to begin with, so I might be a little bit biased on that, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's because this movie was the early 2000s, which was kind of like a weird time. You know, it was right after 9-11, but um, I don't know. There's something really hopeful, you know, kind of like promising about this score. It's 
it's different than Batman, which is just as great, but it, there's a little bit more kind of like innocence to it. And yeah, it fits Spider-Man well. Yeah. Like it has a, like a, and, and the opening credits are terrific in this mm-hmm. too. Like this and I think the Tim Burton Batman both have great opening credit mm-hmm. sequences. Because you're going into the webs. Yeah. Later on in the series, with that Raimi directed, you would see um, scenes from the previous movie in illustration form in the opening yeah, credits I like with that. the music. Yeah. Which that was really cool. Uh, I love that too, and um, and it's, it is a great score. I actually love the score a lot. Like I thought, like, oh, they got the perfect guy to score this. He mm-hmm. scored Batman, so he's going to score Spider Man. So mm-hmm. who better than Danny Elfman to, to do it's it? Really beautiful yeah. music. Yeah. He. I. The score's grown on me. I remember when I first heard it. I was like, okay, and then as it's, goes on it's really it feels like a spider i mean it's got that little like you know you know but it's got that thematic superhero and the love score you know where they have the iconic kiss yeah you know it's just kind of really whimsical and there's just like an innocence to it you know just that first kiss well it's beautifully filmed too yeah on top of that like that's a beautifully cinematic scene when he comes down and they you know the kiss yeah um you mentioned 9-11 earlier, and that's interesting because I remember when this came out, the Twin Towers were supposed to be shown in the film, in the mm-hmm. trailer, but they had to take it out because right after 9-11, it was so raw that they mm-hmm. had to get that out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And, then and they also took in the posters, too. Yeah, yeah it was. Mm-hmm. Which apparently it's, it's a collector's item now if you can, because they, they recalled all the posters because uh-huh. it showed, like, it was Spider-Man's face and you could see the reflection of the city in his back, in, the, in his uh, eyes and, like, you could see the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. So they recalled all those and put out new ones, but apparently some of them didn't get recalled. Yeah. So if you can find one, they're worth a lot right. of money now. Yeah, that would be awesome if somebody actually had that. And I think this the ending sequence, you could see, like, you, the guy just saying, nobody attacks New York, you attack one of us, yeah. you attack all of us. Mm-hmm. Appar- yeah, apparently that was added specifically mm-hmm. after 9-11. To yeah. The, yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and you know, it, this came out in, I think, in May of 2002-ish, May mm-hmm. or April. It was, like, right in the beginning of the summer, I remember. It was. It was and, May. You know, yeah, that was, like, a really hopeful time, you know, to see a movie like this that was filmed in New York and to see that hopefulness and, and just that sense of community and, and that sense of, you know what, we've been through something bad, but we're going to make it out okay. I think that really honed in with a lot of people, and the movie came out at a, a great time. This was a massive hit when it came out. It made like a hundred million mm-hmm. its first week. It was the first movie to break over a hundred million on its opening weekend. It was a massive hit, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I really attribute this movie to the superhero like golden age of superhero films that we're living in now. Like yeah. I think this really like X Men came before it, but I think this really because it was such a massive hit, people were craving more of these type of films, and it's still going on to this day. So this mm-hmm. is an influential yeah. movie that way. It's mm-hmm. kind of the beginning of that renaissance. It is, yeah. I mean, and it really brought Marvel, I think, full-fledged into the big screen, because then after that, every studio wanted to make Marvel properties in the films. and he's probably the most iconic Marvel superhero, right? Yeah, I would say he is. I mean, the only competition as far as widely known, like Wolverine is a very popular character, but I think, like... Spider-Man, then maybe the Hulk and Captain America are probably the most mm-hmm. widely... And Iron Man now, too. Yeah, you know, Iron Man's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think the movies there. have kind of changed yeah. to the pecking order. <clears throat> yeah. Although I don't... Iron Man wasn't really that huge when I was... No, because I remember, I remember yeah. when the movie came out, I was like, yeah. who, who, which, who is that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I knew who Iron Man was. I just He was a second-tier I, character at that time. Yeah, because I, I think they re... Iron Man just felt like, as a hero, this felt like blocky. Oh, that's like, it just... Lumbering, yeah. the movie made it more, more agile and more cinematic. And when you saw it, it was like, oh, that's 
actually much cooler than I thought it would be. And then obviously Robert Downey Jr. But right. Um, yeah. Hello. But Spider Man, I think. Just I always like the Spider Man because he has all these powers, but he's not invincible. Mm-hmm. But he's very durable, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a sense of danger with the you know the flying around and stuff. I mean, it's just exciting. His skill set's very exciting to watch. And, uh, um, you know, I think that's part of the allure is the type of superhero he is, you know. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not overpowered. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. He's, he's, he could be any of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of love the scenes, too. Like, like, there's the scene in, I think it's Times Square, where they have the balloons out. And I thought, that's an homage to Batman because of the balloons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Tim Burton's Batman. And then... I, I get a kick out of the Green Goblin. That mask cracks me up because it's constantly smiling. Even when he's making serious yeah. points, you're still laughing. I think same, I think Raimi intends that to be comic. I don't think it's intended to be... That, that's a great... Well, I love that scene because they say, what's that? And then they, that music comes in when, it's coming across, when he's flying across the screen at Times Square and he comes through. And he's like, that's one of our gliders. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he understands that his son's on that ledge, but I guess he doesn't care. <laughs> Speaking of music, no. it was uh, really cool to see Macy Gray. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. She she's having, really big at the time. Yeah. She's <laughs> having her prince moment in this movie <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and I like that. So the scenes between the Spider-Man and the Green Goblin are hilarious, are great to me, just because it's like hero versus villain. I think I know some people criticize the Goblin's costume a little bit because they thought it was too stiff and kind of comical looking. It kind of was stiff. Yeah, it was. But, but it was meant as a, like a like a armor suit, like it was yeah. a military suit. Well, apparently they, they redesigned it because William Defoe was going to do most of his own stunts, so they like they said it was like. Like that, that suit was made of like two hundred different parts. That they had it. It took them like an hour to get into, so they had so he had more 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 mobility. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I guess the original one they had him was more blocky. Even yeah. though that one was. <clears throat> yeah. yeah well, he like, actually like there's things that Defoe does as an actor that are terrific. Like he arches back like when he's on goblin mode and he gets a smile. Yeah. On him. He really he tries mm-hmm. to act like a goblin esque like kind of a. He's a very physical actor. He's, he is he's great. Well, his face is already goblin. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's like perfect casting. I like yeah. what he says. I surrender. And he comes like, <laughs> punching, punching cops. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. <laughs> his voice is hilarious. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> he cackles I'm a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird though. The one thing that's weird is when they're talking in those masks and you can't see their mouth moving. It's just yeah. Like yeah. Their mouth. And he tries to move his head like he's like. You know, you know. yeah. But I think it's funny. I think it's meant to be funny a little bit because yeah. it's like when he yeah. taps him on the head, you and me, and yeah. he's having these casual conversations with him mm. in that mask. I love the mirror scene when Norman mm-hmm. talks to himself in the mirror and he finally discovers yeah. he's the goblin. I, I think that's yeah. a terrific scene. It is. Uh, brilliant acting. It's it's funny, you know, because mm-hmm. he just keeps switching personality mm-hmm. and putting the paper up. And he's got that smile, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. where like, Willem Dafoe really shines in that scene. He does. He could play the Joker if he wanted to. Oh, oh yeah. I, you know, I love... I'm, I'm a sucker for those tropes. I like super villains, especially when they're like the Goblin yeah. and the Joker, where they're supposed to be kind of evil and comedic at the same time. And I think that he really nails that tone perfectly, you know, balancing mm-hmm. between comedy and oh, yeah. and the threat, you know. And he's a good actor. I mean, sometimes you get actors in these roles and they're kind of campy or they're just over the top in, like, a bad way. I think Willem Dafoe... He keeps it level, even though he is over the top. There's, um, and the movie can be campy at times. I don't know if there is 
just a realistic quality to it. You know, where you don't feel like you're watching this over-the-top superhero movie. Yeah, it's campy, but a, a fun campy. I think this is yeah. good camp versus yeah. Batman and Robin, which is bad camp. Which That's is what I mean. Like, yeah. That movie was just so unbelievable. Like Mr. Freeze. I mean, come yeah. on. This is, is different. Yeah. It just this is what this is what uh, Joe Schumacher thought he was making. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, and just mine. <laughs> but uh, and alas, it was not the case. No, um, you know, Defoe. I, I think, like we said, does a tremendous job and. Um, you know, I think I think the ending sequence is great. Like just having him make that decision, I think it's based on the, a comic book issue where when Stacy, who I think was a big heroine in in the Spider-Man comics, I think that was his major love interest in the comics. She actually died on the at the hands of the Green Goblin. Who did uh, Gwen Stacy, who was his oh, love interest in the comic? Yeah. They kind of threw that into the second uh, Spider-Man reboot. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this one, it's Mary Jane who's, who's thrown off. And uh, he has to choose between the passengers on that, the, the uh, cable car and, mm-hmm. and Mary Jane. And, and I think that's just a great superhero sequence of a Spider-Man, bringing a Spider-Man comic to life. I think they did a great job in that sequence. Yeah. Well, apparently Sam Raimi wanted to, he didn't want to do an origin story. He wanted to do the... Gwen Stacy death scene as like the start, basically the starting point of the movie. Oh wow! But the the uh, studio wouldn't let him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think you do have to set up who the character is first. I kind of I I understand why they do that because it's like you have to understand where the character came from and why he became Spider Man. I I love origin stories. I know a lot of people bash them, but I love them. I, 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 I. I really like it. I don't know why people are like, I don't want to see it. I just want him to go be Spider-Man and beat people up. Well, I will say this much. With as many Batman renditions <laughs> as there has been, I don't think we need to see the story about yeah. how Martha and Mr. Wayne died. I, mean, I can't get enough. We've seen I know, that no, I enough. I, think, I want to watch Uncle Ben and Martha <laughs> and the Waynes die every time. Just give me, just give me a, a, just a non-stop death. This non-stop YouTube video of all there, the There is. There's actually a YouTube I, video of all the the, the, the Wayne parents' deaths, like, from all the medium. So you have all the cartoons and all the movies simultaneously taking place You know, like, did we need to see that in Batman versus Superman? Yeah. Come on. Well, it was the most beautifully shot death scene, I thought, of of all of them, you know. Like, it was that was lyrically shot. It was beautiful to watch them die again. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I, popcorn will kill you. Yeah, popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought the popcorn spilling and Batman v Superman probably trumped the Burton popcorn spilling. You know, I mean, that's... the Batman spilling or the, the spilling of Batman versus Superman was probably—I take that back—is not the greatest part in that film. Yeah. The greatest part in that film was the two seconds when Henry Cavill was shirtless cooking eggs. Yeah. What do you think of the Tobey Maguire shirtless scene? I liked it. Yeah. I remember back then, like thinking. Hello, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> did he really get in that kind of shape? Yeah, yeah he really yeah, did. Apparently, did. Yeah, yeah, because he was like skinny, and then he was. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is. Apparently, they didn't. He they wanted to cast Leonardo DiCaprio in the role. Yeah, and like Sam Raimi had to talk to the studio and to Tobey Maguire, and like they agreed after he got into good shape. Good shape. Yeah. Well, you only need to get in shape for the one scene. Where yeah. <laughs> then it's just the suit, you know. Well, I think Toby's perfect for Raimi. He's Spider. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's yeah. Be Leonardo DiCaprio would not been a believable Spider Man. He's no. too cool. Yeah. Like, he, he yeah. He's down in his luck. <laughs> God, this guy can't get a break. <laughs> Girls hate this guy. Yeah, this is man. Yeah, Toby. Uh, well, I mean, what did he do? Uh, 
Did you do Pleasantville before this movie? Yeah, that came out a few years before yeah. this movie. So he that, was building a reputation as a really good actor, and but this made him put yeah, him on the list. I guess, I guess that's why Kristen Dunst signed on when she saw that Tobey Maguire was doing it, and she thought, well, well this might have more of an independent feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so she kind of she agreed to it when she saw that. Oh, that, that, that was great instincts on her part. And then William Defoe, I'm sure, helped too when he signed on because he has a lot of credibility. And, oh, yeah. Uh, He's just a great actor, yeah. And Rosemary Harris, who, who couldn't... She's great. Uh, I love Ant-Man. <laughs> For me, if I saw the Macho Man sign on it. <laughs> that's what I would have That's probably what God Kirsten Dunst really like. The Macho Man's in this. I, this feels like a very much an independent If film, that were Kirsten Dunst, if I were her, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I'll play Mary Jane under one condition. I have a scene with the Macho Man Randy Savage in some capacity. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if he was in a Sofia Coppola film? <laughs> I have emotional acts. Yes. Oh, yeah. For this woman. <laughs> he should have played Spider-Man. That was yeah. like <laughs> a balding, rooted up wrestler playing. And don't make fun of Sophia Coppola. She's a fantastic director. Oh, she is. I just think it's hilarious that Macho Man was in that. You know, like Lost in Translation. Oh, it's tough being on here. <laughs> Having kids is tough. Oh, yeah, I was married to Elizabeth and it was a hard, hard time. He used to lock her up in a locker. <laughs> I can see that. Him with ScarJo in bed together talking about their love lives. It would have been awesome. <laughs> Doing, but anyway, you know, doing karaoke. Uh, yeah, but I, but I digress. Um, <laughs> I don't even we know where we were. How we got to that guy? But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's that's definitely you know, I think that the the actors they got for this. I think Raimi is an authentic director, though. I, I don't think he's just a cookie cutter director. I think that yeah. this was he loved Spider Man. He loved the '60s Spider Man that Stan Lee and Steve Ditko have created, mm-hmm. and he brings it because it's square in a fun way. It is a, it, it's intentionally square. It brings well, it harkens back to another 60s. era. Yeah, I yeah. mean, a lot of the superheroes back then were, you know, pow, bam, kapooey. You know, it was yeah. kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love that though. I mean, I yeah. love that that those tropes, and I, I think this movie. I think it's still one of my favorite superhero films, I'd say. Like, I it definitely is my yeah. 10 favorite, It's at least. definitely a feel-good um, feel movie, and it has sentimental kind of, like, values to me, too, so it's just kind of, like, one of those movies that, I don't know, it's just a great movie. I think it's a really good coming-of-age It is. You know, yeah. story. I think uh, the second round, because the amazing Spider-Man films that came out, I don't think that they had the same charm that the Raimi films did. I think that they... Made it too dark, and I don't think they knew exactly what to do with Spider-Man. You know, I didn't see them, but I don't really have a desire to see them. You're not missing much. Yeah. <laughs> no. They're okay for. I'm not really viewing. taken by any of the actors that are in that movie, so I'm just yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'll pass. Even the, the the I don't think the villains are as interesting either in those films as they are. Like Green Goblin's great here, and then we'll talk about it when we do it. But Doc Ock was fantastic oh, yeah. in uh, oh, yeah. Spider-Man too. And those are classic Spider-Man villains. I think everybody knows those characters, the Goblin and Doc mm-hmm. Ock. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he wanted Doc Ock in this film, along with the Goblin. I'm kind of glad he separated them. Yeah. No, I, I am too. Too much going on, yeah. as we saw in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Too, yeah. You know, just too much, and you can't focus. It's... Or Spider-Man 3. Or Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man actually. 3. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously he would go down that path himself in a few years with that. But it's yeah. like, I mean, I think it's, there's too much too much going on. There's no story. Yeah. There's no central story to what's mm-hmm. going on. And so, I like that you said it's just a standalone. They didn't intend to have this huge universe, which it didn't. It was just that. Which I like. I miss... I don't think everything has to be in a broader universe. I think things can... Because what it does is, like now with like Daredevil, uh, you watch Daredevil on Netflix. How does that matter when 
aliens come down and attack the religion. I don't know how, like, I, I would not be worried about the kingpin. <laughs> I would be worried about aliens. Like, you would. It just doesn't make sense in that kind of universe. It, it really diminishes. Yeah, a guy three, that, like, with three million people died a couple weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should be worried about me. I know karate. I know a guy that turns into a green thing that can destroy anybody you want. I know. Yeah, Loki just came down, you know, as a god, an yeah, actual god, guys, you know. Yeah, destroy the city. And yeah. I'm worried about some guy that might might do some tax fraud. <laughs> tax fraud is a crime, though. It <laughs> yes, has to be dealt should, with. Even in that world, you should put him away. Listen, the world doesn't stop just because we have an alien invasion to deal with, guys. Uh, we still have tax fraud. Smuggling weapons. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do like this movie, too, for like... Like one, one I, I think this, the fight scenes didn't go on for too long, which I think is yes. yeah, completely agree. Like the, yes. the the scene with the the trolley car, and when the kid, when the people start throwing the the trash, like like that scene, like gives me like actual chills. Like yeah, like, because that's like you actually see the the small people that are there, and it's like those are the people that you can relate to. Yeah, and it's like you don't see that in like a lot of the Marvel movies. It's like the regular people are just people to you know <laughs> grab and throw out of the way of uh, falling buildings or people to yeah. fall out of buildings, and it's like. You don't you don't sit there and you're stressing about the cleanup that's going to have to yeah. happen. <laughs> it's like man, they're going to take traffic's going to be stopped. Like, or you don't have to see the beautiful Henry Cavill drag through concrete for the twentieth time. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I but know. like yeah, that scene where the people were throwing the the trash and then like in, in Spider Man Two where he gets like carried through the oh yeah the, the, the subway car like to me like those that's are right. like the, the yeah. two like. Fights like parts yeah. of fight scenes that I actually remember. Cause, like, I love those because yeah. there was actually like real feeling to them. Whereas like a lot of the superhero movies, like now the, all the ones I've seen since, it's like I don't really remember anything from the fight scenes because they're all just kind of yeah. Everything's like flying around and yeah, you can't right. focus on that. Happens like uh, you know even as recent as Wonder Woman, which uh, have you seen Wonder Woman? Yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. I, I loved it. Actually, that didn't bother me as much. I think. Doomsday bothered me in Batman versus Superman because that, that was the classic so CGI. And then there's a couple Marvel movies where it's just like there's always a beam of light. Oh, Suicide Squad, another movie where it's just like there's a beam of light, all these weird creatures come down. I don't, yeah. I'm not invested what's, in that. What's wrong with a good fight? Like, yeah, what's that's wrong with like a guy just punch, throwing <laughs> yeah. haymakers at each other. Yeah. You know, you don't need to like shoot beams. I'm, I'm yeah. beamed out. You know, well, okay. yeah. I, I guess part part of the problem is now uh, that. The, like they have the, like the the beams is because it's easier to CGI. Yeah, yeah. And so like the, yeah. a lot of the fight scenes now end with like where they some kind of beam picks up everything in the city and then drops it. And I yeah. guess I guess that's because it's easier to CGI that effect, like everything moving in one direction and then moving back in the other direction. So it just kind of gets added into everything now. Yeah, and that's why Civil War was so great. The fight scenes were so oh, awesome in that. Like the, the Russos yeah. do a terrific yeah. job. I mean, I, like outside of Raimi, I think the Russos are some of the best superhero directors out there because Winter Soldier and Civil War, those fight scenes were fantastic. They're real fight scenes. They're fight yeah. scenes. That's yeah. what they are. They're superhero fight scenes. Yeah. They're, not, yeah. they're not like... Uh, that's what this yeah. was. Yeah, that's... Superman... The, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, well, it's a great final sequence. It reminds me of like, well, the Batman Joker fight was not really a fight. That was just Batman being up, but like you but said, it's memorable because it's one on one, and yeah. they're they showcase their their styles, Batman's fighting style, and the Joker do? with the you know the, the laughing, all yeah, the laughing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what makes yeah, it he memorable. Just keeps yeah, he, he it. I love when he spits out the uh, yeah. the, the, the fake, fake teeth. teeth. Yeah, and the chatter, and then well, the glasses. Even the, even the I mean, the whole fight. That fight scene, I think, starts when 
the bat wing comes down and shoots yeah. the gun and then he runs away and then he has the flower and he's just like you know that's and I think this one's similar where they're fighting each other and their masks are starting to tear off a bit yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, then he's threatening in Mary Jane's life and he goes Mary MJ and I are going to have a hell of a time you know that's that, that cheesy villain line which I loved and does he hide the fact that uh, he's the Green Goblin because he yeah he says don't tell Harry he says, yeah he says don't tell Harry but yeah. then he brings him back to the thing but Harry still doesn't know that he's a goblin no. until later on. Right? No, that's no. why Harry thinks that Spider-Man killed uh, his dad because yeah. his dad brought him back home. <clears throat> and that sets up the conflict later. If Peter would have left him there, naked dead body. That's why they have the suit, and they would have known. That's why they have the funeral. Yeah. That's why he does that. So no one knows that he kind of protects Harry. He does. Yeah. If he left, if he would have left the Green Goblin where he was, they would have found him in the goblin suit and known that he was. Yeah. Who so he was? He, so yeah. he did that to protect him. Yeah. Yeah. And can we can we uh, discuss uh, Mary Jane's judgment and uh, deciding <laughs> to make a move on on uh, Peter Parker at her her ex boyfriend's father's funeral? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As a woman, I will say this: she was not making worse a deal. I think she was going through a lot of things. Okay, she almost died. She had well, a very yes. near death experience. Now, yeah. someone that she knew died. When people die, like she said, you know, you start thinking about things. And, you know, in that moment before she died, you know, all she thought about was how she wanted to see Peter Parker and it made her realize that she had feelings for him. My guess is that that was the first time she'd probably had a chance to see him in a long time. Yeah. He was very reclusive, you know? And I don't think she had intentions of seizing the sad moment, so to speak. I think she was really just trying to be vulnerable and say, hey, you know, especially now that we're here and we just buried Harry's dad at... And everything that just happened to me it really has me thinking about the fact that you know you're the one that yeah that I love and life is short I want to tell you that I love you like I want does she love him or Spider-Man though for most of the movies she seems enthralled but by Spider-Man but she says at the end though, oh that's yeah, right she does she right, says, right. when I was hanging to my death you know she says you know I was thinking I didn't I was thinking about someone who I never thought I'd be thinking about she says all I could think about is I hope I get make it out of this make it through this so that I can see Peter Parker one more time wow. that's what she said mm-hmm. Yeah. She's always waiting for him. Well, in the beginning, she's kind of doesn't tune into him as much, but oh, gradually over time, she yeah. does. Right? But he's also always very reclusive with her too. That's the thing I think sometimes people overlook with Mary Jane is that she does try to open up to him, mm-hmm. and he just even before he really was Spider Man, he was like tensed up. He was too scared, or he just was afraid to like really open up to her. Yeah, he was. You he know? was intimidated by her. He was yeah. a dream girl. He yeah. was afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. He's putting a lot of pressure on himself to exactly. live up to her expectations, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have to. That's the whole point of it, that he could just yeah. be himself. Well, that, 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 that is kind of like the, I think that is kind of the nerd fantasy that I'm going to be nice to this girl mm-hmm. and hang around her and yes. do her, One day. Be, be super nice, and then she's going to have a near-death yeah. experience and suddenly realize that I'm here <laughs> and come after me. And then a goblin guy comes after her. That's the <laughs> yeah. typical guy thing, you know. I, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> But as a woman, I feel like, and the way that, you know, the, the scenes are in the movie, I think that that's probably more to it. Because they also have that really nice moment in the hospital when Aunt May had almost died. Yeah. So within, like, a week time period, they've had a lot of near-death experiences with a lot of yeah. people in their inner circle. So when that kind of stuff happens, it probably makes you really think about, you know, like, what am I doing? Who do I really care about? You know, what's important to me? Yeah. yeah. I, I still think yeah. she could have been like, hey, let's go grab some coffee and instead of let's, let's make out ten feet from... 
<laughs> she just kissed him once. Doug, Doug, Doug Grave. She kissed him once. Does not qualify for making out. It was pretty, hey, it was not, pretty, it was a pretty long kiss. None of that sexist bastard Norman's done. I love remember the line where he says, "Do what you want to got to do with them, and then bring them fast." That, yeah. it's I probably would be making out with Peter Parker after that guy said that to me. Well, yeah, she even true. said that. She said, "Peter, you've always been there for me. Yeah, no matter what happens, you're always you know mm-hmm. the one that's there for me, and you." You know, she just basically said, "You know, I realized that that you're the person that really loves me, and I love you too. You know, it's you. You're the one that's always it's always been." Why? Why was Defoe like like the other thing I want to talk about is the Goblin and Peter. Like, why did did Norman turn so quickly on Peter because when he found Norman, out he was Spider Man because he loved Peter before yeah. then, and then he well, just gradually I think it was the Goblin taking over. The, the Goblin was gradually yeah. taking over his whole personality at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think. Cause, because he, um, remember when he, he has another moment in his study and he, the goblin mask is like hanging on the, like a wing back chair like that yeah. in the corner and the goblin's like, you got to take him out. And remember, he's like, I can't, you know, it's yeah. Peter, you know, and he's kind of struggling with, with that. Yeah. That he doesn't want to. And I don't think he was him. initially a sexist either. I think that came out because of the goblin too. I think that, so too, because he was upset that he realized it was Peter. That's why he wanted to leave. Yeah. And I think it was that. That dual personality, that that bipolarness kicking in, and the other personality was kind yeah. of taking control. I, th- I think some of that was there because he makes the, the comment of like they're all That's pretty, it. like your mom was pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I think some of that was in, was there. Probably yeah. so. Out. But I think it was heightened though too by the fact that he was the goblin, possessed yeah. kind of by the goblin. Yeah, you don't hear about the mom. What happened with her? No. Um, I wonder if she died. I get the sense <laughs> that she died. It just seems like she's not there. Harry is kind of depressed. Like, he's just kind of... Well, you don't even know what happened to Peter's parents on top of that. Like, Peter's parents in this movie, he just has an aunt and uncle, and that's it. They don't... And I kind of like that better than when they try to explain it in the subsequent films, because that was a little muddled. Yeah, he's like, uh, your parents must be proud. He's like, I live with my aunt and uncle, and they are proud. I always like that line. Yeah. And actually, uh, at the end, when he goes, I was a father to you. Remember, Norman says that I was a father to you. Be a son to me now. And he's begging for it. And he goes, I had a father. His name is Ben Parker, who yeah. was his uncle. And that was a nice. Yeah. You know, and that's the theme with a lot of superhero films. In fact, mm-hmm. recently in Guardians, that the fatherhood was a major theme of that mm-hmm. film. And who is your real father? The guy who raises you yeah. or the guy you yeah, never see? Actually, so that's like a, yeah. mm-hmm. a major superhero trope. Um, Superman apparently. Yeah, they all, honestly, all the superheroes have parent issues. They do. Superman doesn't, you know, he's on this new planet now, he's adopted. Batman obviously has parent issues, Spider-Man. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman, I think, yeah. I think a lot of comic book writers have uh, father issues, so that's yeah. probably why. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley, I, my parents and I didn't get along. <laughs> but I'm fine now. So, um... So yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting dynamic with Norman uh, when his relationship with Peter, and, and it brought out that how much he loved Ben, which I thought was a great, yeah, great ending to it. Yeah, well, and Peter Parker too at that moment in time is I think kind of having the similar thing that Mary Jane was having, where a lot of these people were getting injured or dying, people that you loved that were your family, and that just that gives you perspective on things. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it does, and. Uh, I, it just comes back to it that I, I think this is a really well done. Like I think this is a terrific superhero film. I kind of miss just focusing on this one character mm-hmm. and developing that world. I think Guardians is kind of doing that within the Marvel universe. Actually, I kind of like the way Guardians kind of stands off a bit from the rest of the yeah. Marvel stuff. But uh, 
but Spider-Man, I, I really like it as a standalone film. What do you guys think overall? Does it still hold up after all these years? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I still really enjoyed it. I watched it this morning, and yeah, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Like, the the CGI is now looking kind of pretty dated. I mean, it looks like what you'd see like on network TV. Yeah. But yeah. It, they used it in a way where it's not distracting. It's like it's still... It's, I think it still holds up. It still bothers me how <laughs> he runs. Like, his arms are so super high. He's yeah. like this. Yeah, like, yeah. And, uh, he, just has, he just has poor running form. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I don't understand that. He's a, he's a nerd. He wasn't yeah, on the track team. Nerd, he's a, he's, he's I mean, keep your run. arms high, but he's just like... I mean, there are parts like that, yeah. <laughs> that look just weird. Like, just run normally. Yeah, yeah just just run, Pete, you know. Yeah, he doesn't have to... Uh, I, I will say that the, in the, uh, the wrestling scene, when he... Uh, he uh, says to Macho Man, "Oh, nice outfit. Did your husband buy that for you?" I was like, yeah. "That like landed with a thud this time." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I probably yeah. didn't even like. I probably didn't even notice that the first time I watched it. But right, this right. time, I'm like, "Oh, come on, Peter, you're better than that." And I guess yes, it's yes. to the Macho Man. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> if the Macho Man was able to improvise, it would have been interesting. But if you try to get under a Macho Man's skin, that's probably yeah. the way to go. But, yeah. Uh, but it also like kind of demonstrates like just how. <laughs> Yeah, things have changed in like 15 yeah, you years. Yeah, you couldn't say that joke. Yeah, because that yeah. was like the biggest insult was to imply that someone was gay. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be more realistic for like someone young and not like yeah to to say something. You know, I guess that's where the like someone that old would be woke. Oh yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in two thousand two, yeah, you would be. If you were in high school, I mean, that was yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, that was the a little bit more realistic. But it's not like for a mainstream film now. It would not. That would not. No, be, well, even know, like I think like even a lot in high school now, like I mean, like my daughter's like friends, like I yeah. don't think we can even say like something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, a, It'd be offensive now. But. Yeah. yeah. Uncle Ben's layoff's still relevant, though. That's yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can make him say, yes, he did. <laughs> you got a problem with that? You got a problem? <laughs> but uh, Macho Man did his own stuns, though, you can see. Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 I guarantee he did. You know. That's because yeah. Macho Man is a national treasure. Yes, yeah, he is. I still want to know who's sanctioning those wrestling matches. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's, not, it's not underground. I mean, it's like, it's like a 15,000... They have like a huge ad in a paper that anybody can read. Yeah, yeah, this guy's going at him with a crowbar. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for real. And and what? That's that's, that's not legal. (laughs) And clearly, Vince began with a sign Spider-Man after seeing that match. Like this kid's got chops. (laughs) You think if a John Glover and they saw this movie, it's like, why am I not in this? Yeah, exactly. Why except, would I? Not it wasn't underground. It was. I'll do three splits. Yeah. I'll do a kick to the face, and that'll be over. But uh, well, Scott, what, how do you? It, so you held up for you too. You said. Yeah, I think this is one of the best. This is one of my favorite movies. So overall, so I, I definitely think it holds up. And uh, yeah, outside of like like what Adam said, outside of a few things that just you have no control over. I mean, things change over time. The CGI in some places. I know that was even a complaint when the movie came out. Some I read some things like I don't know Robert e, Roger Ebert wrote he didn't think this he didn't give it a, as good a grade as other people did. No, because he didn't think the special effects were convincing. Uh, but I think they were more convincing than that. I think in Spider Man Two, it takes a huge leap in that in that regard. Yeah, and it's yeah. It, it that movie. I think you know we'll talk about that at another time. But um, yeah, I think this movie holds up. I think. It's just a, it's just a really good fun movie to watch. You know, it's it. I think it's gonna hold up for a very long time because it's kind of got a timeless quality to it. 
Yeah, for me, you know, it uh, it honestly takes me back to my the summer between my 10th grade year and my 11th grade year in high school when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I saw this movie on a date with a guy who ended up being my first boyfriend who was my next door neighbor. So I was mm-hmm. the Mary Jane Watson <laughs> to him, and I was. He was a little, um, you know, not as well known. And, um, you know, people used to say, why do you hang out with Bobby, you know? And so in a lot of ways, it de- there definitely was that dynamic going on. And I remember that was the summer that, you know, we fell in love and started dating. And, uh, and this movie, in some ways, was like the turning point for that because I remember watching it, you know, and um, kind of realizing, you know, he's like my Peter Parker, and he was. And uh, so to me, to watch it, it just really takes me back to that time, which was a really happy time in my life. 16 years old, summertime, you know, you feel like you, you can drive, you're older, you can go on dates, you know, you just kind of feel like you have the world, you mm-hmm. know? And the music, too. I love the music. Even that song at the end, that hero song by Chad Kroger, that was like the song that summer. So anytime yeah. I hear that song, it just makes me think of, um, mm-hmm. of being that 16-year-old version of myself, which was really great. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's really a sentimental-type movie that I enjoy watching because um, it's one of those movies. It's a good kind of age movie. And I think it is a great superhero film compared to a lot of what's out there things that came before and even after it, mm-hmm. I think it really holds up. And uh, to me, it's my favorite version of Spider-Man. I agree. Like, at this point, the Tobey Maguire, the first two especially, the Sam Raimi films are terrific. Uh, this one I love. I love Defoe's performance, and I love the character of Norman Osborn. That's one thing this movie has an edge over a lot of superhero films is a great villain, like mm-hmm. a memorable villain as a great yeah. character. Um Tobey Maguire is terrific as Spider-Man, very relatable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. t- terrific, great performance. J.K. J. Simmons nearly steals every scene he's in. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite performances in any superhero film is watching J.K. Simmons mm-hmm. as J. Mm-hmm. Jonas Jameson. He's so good. And, and I like Kristen Dunst. Like you guys, I appreciate yeah. her more and more. And, and Franco, too, as, as, as Harry does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the direction. I mean, he's not afraid. This is a comic book movie. Comic book brought to life as a film. It doesn't try for realism. It just tries to make... It's a feel-good movie. It's fun. Yeah. It's escapist fair. And it's a relatable story with great characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that always holds up. I think it's a very funny movie at most parts. Charmingly funny. Like, yeah. you know, it, you know it's, it's quirky. Mm-hmm. Um and I love the, like you said, the, the elephant score. And I love Spider-Man suit in this. It's a seamless suit. I think they did yeah. a great job of reproducing the Spider-Man from the comics on mm-hmm. the big screen. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's just got great qualities all around. You know, there's like the, an innocence to it. And it's a, I don't know, it was like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It was. When it came out. It really was. It reinvigorated my love of superhero movies. And Scott and I, to the, this day, we're still in that course. You know, I think from Spider-Man onward, we've always tried to see every superhero film out. Even if it's terrible, we'll see it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's some movies I still haven't seen Green Lantern. Either of us. <laughs> we, we were exactly we, 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 we have standards, guys, here. I haven't um, seen Doctor Strange. That's the only one I haven't seen. But yeah. um, Not bad. I would recommend that. Yeah. You know. Um, a new Spider-Man film is about to come out with uh, Tom, I think it's Tom Holland is the name of the actor playing him. And uh, that looks good. That looks actually promising. I think that could be on par with the Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. stuff, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, he debuted last year in Captain America yeah. Civil War. Had great scenes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. as Tony Stark. I think yeah. that they're trying to build a, a mentor-student relationship mm-hmm. between those two. That's smart, even though it's maybe not yeah. in comics. I think he's a great yeah. kid. I think he's really cute. He fits that role of like the teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He's kind of quirky and offbeat. He brings a different energy to Peter Parker than Tobey Maguire did. He's a little bit more lively, I think. Yeah. Um, Probably closer to the Spider-Man from the comics. Like, yeah. more of a, the jokester, you know, yeah. like the, the wit. Yeah, I think it'll be really good. You know, again, I do think I'll have, you know, I'll always, I think, have some sentimental values to this movie just because of how it impacted my life at that time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a new, a new good take. It's good to see Marissa Tomei, who I'm a big fan of, so mm-hmm. she's going to be Aunt May. And yeah, you had the classic Aunt May and now kind of a more yeah. modernized Aunt May. Hot, and hot Aunt May. Hot, hot May, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching Robert Downey Jr. flirt with her was great in, in Civil War. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- I would like, I mean, I don't have a problem with origin stories either, I like them. But yeah. I, nice. I would like to move past. Like I don't want. I don't want to see the same one over and over again. Yeah. I, I would really like. I would really like to see Spider Man, like you know, middle aged Spider Man. Like, yeah. yeah. See what that would be. Like yeah. you can almost do that with like bring back Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire and have them like. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's the problem with like reboots and stuff. You, you have to reset, and it's just hard to. I mean, it, it, they struggle with the last one because I remember uh, Martin Sheen played Uncle Ben, and they had to recreate that sequence. And he's like responsibility. Powers. You just got to throw in one words to kind I of hint mean, at that. Yeah, and I struggle just, to. I think it's better to to not even do. I think what you said is perfect. Like just start complete, like middle age, or start a new story mm-hmm. at a different time in his life. Yeah. If you're going to reboot it, yeah, and and not worry about because we've already seen like this movie is the perfect representation of of Spider Man from when he started to you know the end. So I don't think you really need to go down that path. But. And I think um, yeah, I think I, they're not necessarily doing an origin story this time. I think they're kind of, but they are bringing him back to high school, which I think is brilliant, just to keep him in high school as yeah. a high school kid, so he can have all those high school adventures. It's always fun to watch Spider-Man fight super villains in his high school and stuff like that. Yeah, because he got out of high school really quick in this one. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was way too old for high school to begin. With. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different story. Yeah. Well, Tim McGuire's youthful looking. Yeah, yeah, he does look younger. Toby McGuire is on record saying he likes Tom Holland. Like he, and actually, McGuire's been supportive of all the subsequent Spider-Men. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's always praised them and given them the go-ahead. But he really likes mm-hmm. Tom Holland. I think they're yeah. going to be end up as the two guys you're going to remember as Spider-Man. Remember, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's a really good fit. I think, like I said, I think he's a really cute kid and brings like a fun energy to it. You know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I always say, like to end our podcast, the best way to watch uh, a film outside of a movie theater is on Blu-ray. And Spider-Man is out on Blu-ray, and it's a terrific set. They have making of documentaries. They have a documentary on Spider-Man and different artists who have worked on him over the years. Stan Lee, of course, is in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I created him, <laughs> you know, and all that He's stuff. He's got a cameo. In yeah, he has a cameo as in the interview, yeah. too. Um, they have a commentary by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi comes off really well. I always watch, enjoy watching him. He's like a gentleman. He's like David Lynch. He has yeah. kind of a similar personality to Lynch. Um and it's great. And actually, they're reissuing the box set, and this it'll be on June thirteenth of this year to coincide oh, wow. with the Spider-Man movie coming okay. out. So all of Raimi's films, Spider-Man one through three, are going to be in that set. They're obviously ignoring the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Yeah, uh, as as are most people. As are most people. We've they. It's funny how they just stopped that. Like we're starting. We're just going to give it to Marvel now <laughs> and have them take over Spider-Man because we have no clue what we're doing with them. Um, well, I want to thank Adam for joining us today. He yeah. was great as yeah, usual. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. Um, Adam, anything coming up that you want to plug away? I know you do stand-up occasionally. and uh, Yeah, I'll be around doing some stand-up. I'm performing with an improv troupe called Andy's Mints. 
to oh, be cool. around, I guess. Oh, oh good. Okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, Those are really good mints, too. Yeah, they, they are. Mints. Yeah, I'm a, a contributor to a podcast called Politipod. Oh, oh great. Okay. Great. Yeah. 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 Where can you find it on on iTunes and? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really underground, it's like right? It's the yeah. IPN network or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Like Google Politipod. Yeah. Uh, sure, Politipod. We'll, we'll yeah. definitely look it up. Uh, and Scott, we'll get the link as well for that. Yeah, I'll put the link up. Um, I'll find it on the underground. <laughs> it's on the dark net. <laughs> <laughs> the dark web, fitting for a Spider-Man episode. We're talking about from a bunker. <laughs> and uh, a nuclear hideout in, in Iowa. This is political. Do you guys have anything uh, to promote coming up or anything? Or uh, well, I'll be joining you for uh, Improv Wars in a few weeks. Right. And I'll be in this week on Thursday with uh, Pocket Lint at uh, the, the the Shadowbox Bistro. Oh, okay. So Excellent. Eight o'clock on Thursday. Is that for Improv Wars? Improv Wars, yes. Okay, what is Improv Wars? Tell the audience. Improv Wars is 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 a uh, where it pits improv troops in the city of Columbus against each other and vote on anybody audience to, uh, by applause. Actually, by voting this time, uh, you get to pick who the winner of each each round of Improv Wars is. So there's like three groups. If you last for three minutes, do you get three thousand dollars? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Macho Man is there. <laughs> we all go in the cage, get some Macho Man, and whoever comes out wins. Oh, if that was only the case, I'd be there every week. But I'm I'm too busy hogging Macho Man. Yeah, else to get any yeah, time. Tony gets, chats him up. Uh, so he tells me that I remind him of Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's why it's just a, it's just a really good improv show if you're into that. So. Yep. Yeah, we're looking forward to performing in a few weeks and. Uh, uh, Tony, do you have anything on your end at all, or? Um, I don't. I am kind of taking the summer off a little bit. Right. Except for podcasting, of course. Except for yeah. podcasting, so you can find me on the next episode of Cinema Wheel or Tay, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to tell you what movie we're doing, but I can tell you it's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And I'm excited that we'll be covering that movie mm-hmm. in a few weeks. Yes, yes. Uh, we're all excited to to cover all of our favorite movies. That's true. Favorite, yeah. That's true. Uh, but this next one is a really fun movie that mm-hmm. I grew up with. Yeah, so she's obviously talking about um, The Exorcist. So, yes, <laughs> it's a lighthearted fair. No, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, keep following us this su- this summer. We're going to be, you know, the Kappa Summer Movie Series are coming up, which That's is a favorite right. time for all of us at the Kappa, the Ohio Theater in Columbus, and. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and um, give us five-star reviews because we like to beg for the best possible review from you. <laughs> yes. We like that. And yeah, don't hesitate to connect with us. You know, we're pretty responsive on Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear yeah. your feedback. Just show up right. at our houses. Like, yeah, just yeah. show up and stalk us. We want some yeah. stalkers, too. Well, I mean, you know, Adam, you had said, hey, I want to be on the podcast, so we yeah. get you on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. I stood outside their window, had a boombox. Yeah. Yeah. He stalked us. Yeah, he, he did this. imitated John Cusack, so I said, he's in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he has great taste, you know. Mm-hmm. He might be... He might be Emotionally troubled, yeah, but play, hey. play, played the Spider-Man theme on the boombox. Yeah, he did. He had to, you know, nailed it home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but really, we're always open to meeting, uh, meeting new people. And if you're ever interested in being a guest, let us know. And if you ever want to connect, she's absolutely right. Uh, just, just reach out to us, and uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining Thanks us. So much. Bye.